Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. MJ Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce, who I miss every day. And this is going to be really exciting. We have the author of Discovering Twins here, Stella Tear Heart, and it's a true story based on events from the Holocaust. So let me read you a little bit of the summary of the book, which is in my hand. How in 1944, young Sophia carries secrets and covers them with lies. She doesn't mean to or want to. They are forced upon her. Terrified her lies will be discovered. She buries them within deep separating them by decades, countries and continents, Canada 215. With Alzheimer's taking overtaking her mind, Sophia's secrets resurfaced with vengeance. Can her daughter uncover the truth? This is really a heart-wrenching story, and I went through Alzheimer's with my mother for 10 years, so I know how that feels. So how did you create the prologue in this story? How did you start this off? Yeah, good morning, Fran, and thank you for having me on, on the show. I'm very happy and excited to be here and speak about this with you. So I wanted the prologue to give a reader a sense of what was going to be coming up. It's a combination of true stories mm-hmm. that were told to me later in my life. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing when I was younger about my family's background, nothing at all. And then it's also, the prologue also identifies to the reader that some of the stories are historical fiction about my direct relatives. I, once I found these direct relatives in my genealogy and what mm-hmm. happened to them, I imagined what their lives were like before the mm-hmm. horrible events of World War II. So I created historical fiction. So you have an interesting combination of memoir and historical fiction. And in the prologue, <clears throat> I pinpoint that out to the reader so that they have a bit of an expectation of what they're going to be reading. No, it's really interesting. That's what caught my eye. So how did you discover, um, how did you, you created the past and then became the present? So how did you discover your family's history while in Holland? I, I, don't, I, I know nothing about my, 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 real, my grandmother. I mean, there's a lot of people in my family that died before or died in the concentration camps. So how did you discover the, your family's history while in Holland? When I was in Holland, uh, my mother, after I graduated from high school, took me back to Holland. I'd never been there before. She was born in Amsterdam. Her family had been in the Netherlands, particularly in Amsterdam, for over 400 years. They, they fled Poland during religious persecutions in the, in the 1500s and mm-hmm. ended up in Holland, which was very, Holland was a very accepting, uh, modern country, even even back then, and, and people of all religions and nationalities would choose to go to the Netherlands because it was very accepting. A bit ironic, mm-hmm. but 
so my my mother's family was in was in Holland, and I knew that my background was Dutch because my parents spoke Dutch in the home. It was my first language was Dutch. That's what I grew up listening to. My father was was Dutch even further back than my mother's family. So I'm 18 years old. My mother, we go off to Holland and we start meeting all of these relatives. And I, I didn't know. I, I thought we had nobody, you know, in little tiny Estevan, Saskatchewan, nine miles north of the North Dakota border, kind of in the middle of, you know, prairie nowhere. I, I thought it was just my brothers, my sister, my parents, and myself. I knew I had a grandfather in Australia. I knew I had a grandfather in the Netherlands, but I, I didn't know about anybody else. So we were in Holland for a month, and, you know, I met all my dad's family, this aunt and, and this uncle. And, uh, and, and then one day my mother says, okay, we're going to go see some more relatives. And I'm thinking, gee, how many more of these, how many more are there? And uh, um, when I met this this man and his wife, he says, I'm Uncle Jacob, and this is my wife, Rebecca. So this is 1978, and nobody calls their children Rebecca and Jacob in 1978. Mm -hmm. And these people were in their mid-60s, you know, so then you go back 60 years. On the way back, I said to my mom, I said, uh... They're, they're, they're Jewish. And she said, yes, they are. And so, you know, when you find out something like that, even at the age of 18, you're not very mature or politically or socially aware. So that's a bit of a, a shock, you know. So I said to my mother, okay, well, if, if Jacob is your mother's brother, then that means that your mother is also Jewish. But my mother's reaction was vehemently no, that she was not. This is one of the things that my mother hid her whole life, was that her background was very extensively Jewish. Uh, Mm. And as a result of what she experienced in the Second World War as a young girl, she just learned to lie. She just learned to hide it all. But anyway, so it was when I was 18, in Amsterdam on this summer vacation with my mother that I, she had no choice but to start to share with me a little bit of her World War II family background. That's amazing. My grandmother, I didn't know. Um, it was really weird. My grandmother wasn't my grandmother. She was my step-grandmother, but I didn't know that until later mm. on, much later on. And I always wondered why my aunt would call her Tanta. And I would say to her, wait a minute, yes. that's grandma. That's huh. your mother. I had no idea. My grandmother died when my mother was born, when my mother was two. And my grandfather mm-hmm. married her sister three months later because he had five kids. Okay. And the, yeah. the sixth one died in childbirth with my grandmother. And my grandmother told me the story, but nobody ever really knew the story. And when my mother found out, it was really weird. She was walking with her cousin home one day, and her cousin said to her, well, you don't have to tell anything to your mother. She's really not your mother. She's a stepmother. My mother never told her. My grandmother never knew. My grandmother was um, x-rayed in a concentration camp in Poland. She was one of the experiments. Mm -hmm. So I always wondered why they said she couldn't have children, and that's why. It's it's weird. Yeah, that's fine. So, how did you create both timelines 
and tell you have uncovered all of this about your parents. So how did you create both timelines? And when you met your those relatives, that must have been really not that must have been exciting. Oh, they were wonderful, Fran. So here's this this uncle, Uncle Jacob, and his wife Rebecca. Yeah. And he's boisterous, and he's embracing, and he's full of life. He's you know short, stocky, a little bit bald. He, they were just so kind. And to think that he was one of less than 15 survivors out of over 1,000 relatives, you would think he would be the opposite. Uh, and but but no, you know he was he was carrying the lifeblood for everybody that was gone. But as mm. regards the timelines, the timelines kind of follow my train of thought, uh, uh, where it starts off where I'm in my early twenties, I'm expecting my first child, and my mother mm. says to me, "Twins run in the family." I'm, okay, no idea. All, just out of the blue, she dropped that twins run in the family, and I, I didn't know any twins. She never mentioned any twins. I, I, she didn't give me any names, and, and that was kind of that. So it opens with the premise of the whole concept of, of twins running in the family. So the timelines move between me as a young woman, and then uh, back over a hundred years to. The, one of the first relatives that I found who had twi- triplets over four days. Can you imagine giving birth in 1840 mm. to triplets over four days? Like, it's, it's just mind-blowing. But So that, that girl, her name was Choncha, which means beautiful one. So here she is with her triplets. So I go from me, my mother telling me there's twins, and then I go back 100 years to a relative who has triplets. And then it sort of bounces back and forward through time as I get older and my mother gets older. And uh, I'm imagining life in Holland as I'm studying my genealogy and, and finding these relatives living in these past periods of time and imagining what life would be like for them. And, of course, you don't really you have a sense of foreboding because you know eventually the timeline is going to hit 1940 it takes a while to get there because i'm laying the groundwork for the family and the descendants of people um all with twins going back going back to the 1800s so the timeline bounces back and forth until we actually end up in the present so that's how I created this sense of timeline to get to where we are today. I needed to start kind mm. of way back when. That's really amazing. So who is Flora, and how did you weave her into the storybook? Tell us about her. She was an interesting oh, character. I'm so, oh, I'm so glad you asked about her, Fran. So mm. Flora was one of my mother's first cousins. They lived mm. about 10 minutes apart, you know, by, by my mother. I know where my mother's house was, and I know where Flora's house was, because you can find it in the historical data. They lived about 10 minutes walk away. Flora was a twin. She had a twin brother called Alexander. And uh, there's a picture that I found in my mother's house of her and a, and a whole bunch of other young people. I don't know who anybody is except my mother. So I'm imagining that this is a birthday party or an event of some kind because I can mm. see all these uh, these people who all look alike and they're around my mother's age and it's pre-war and there's some adults there. So Flora's story imagines a birthday party for her when she's 10. 
Mm-hmm. And and she's surrounded by all of these twins, most of whom are boys. She has some gorgeous aunts who are twins who are 10 years older than her. She wants to be like them. Um, and interestingly enough, so I'm not going to, I don't want to give spoilers and tell the story of her birthday party. So that's a bit of a No, don't, because that was an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's kind of paralleled a little bit on my own life too. You know, what girl doesn't remember what happened to her at a particular point in life, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, but after the, after the book was written, Fran, there's pictures in the book, as you know. Yeah, I, I know. Went back to, yeah, I went back to where I found those pictures and asked the website owners if they knew where the pictures came from. And a mm. handful of the pictures I was able to actually speak to and connect with the people who have the physical pictures. And oh, there's wow. a picture not in, yeah, so there's a second edition of the book out where I found a picture of Flora and Alexander. And I've connected with, so Flora had a sister, Greta, who married a non-Jewish man. So that's what saved her. Because a mixed marriage, you were not in as much danger of being deported. That's how my mother survived, because my grandmother, mm. who was Jewish, married an Italian. And so she was, had some protection. And I talk about that in the book. Flora's sister, Greta, who was married to a non-Jewish person, so Greta survived. Greta had a daughter, and her daughter, whom I've talked to, had a picture of Flora and Alexander. And, I, and so a little bit more about Flora that's not in the book, the edition that you've got, but that's in the second edition that's coming out soon, mm-hmm. talks about how Greta's non-Jewish husband got a fake passport for Flora mm-hmm. and tried to smuggle it to her at the concentration camp in the Netherlands where Flora was being held. And Flora said, I'm not leaving without my mother. I'm not leaving without my twin brother. So she did not have the chance to escape. That was presented to her. And three days later, so she was in Auschwitz. Yeah, it's, it's That's so sad. Oh, but through this picture, I've connected with my cousin, Alexandra, named after the boy twin. She looks just like me. <laughs> She's my age. She looks just like me. And so we've been chatting back and forth. And and I have this sweet picture of Flora and Alexander who look so much alike. It's, it's bizarre. So Flora is a very special character in the book. And again, she's my mother's first cousin. So I don't know if they knew each other, but she was a twin. Flora was a twin, lived 10 minutes away from my mother, was the same age. So you put one and one together and, and you're going to get two. So my mother had to have known her. That's so sad, though. I know. This is not the only one. I've read other stories where they wouldn't leave without the other person. And and yes. what happened to these people was inexcusable. And the fact that there were people that could have stopped it, that's even sadder, that nobody stopped it. Oh, yes. No, yeah. I mean, yes. if anybody no. thinks that they didn't know, yeah, everybody knew about it. Oh, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, when my grandmother came here, I didn't know that she had... Um, four sisters. I only knew three. The three mm-hmm. sisters that, that were alive here. I didn't know about mm-hmm. Fanny, which is my grandmother, until, like I said, later mm-hmm. on. There were so many things yeah. that, that you just that you just don't know. And, and it's sad. But oh, there were two other people that were interested. I mean, I have a family in Israel somewhere. Um, my mm-hmm. cousin used to write to me when we were younger. 
and she was in the in the um, war, the Yom Kippur wars, and she married her, her uh, commanding officer. So I don't know if she made it out. So I never, I have no idea. When I tried to find her, I couldn't, I can't find the family. So we have we have another, we have two other people, Tante Zuma and Minna. I love them. Ah, so Tante Zuma I love and Tante. Ah, oh yeah, every, Mina, she was just fabulous. Tante Zuma, the word Tanta is the Dutch word for aunt. Yeah, that's uh, what I call my aunt. Similar to the French word. Yeah, Tanta just means, it just means aunt or aunt, however you want to say it. And the mm. French word for aunt is matante, so it's very mm-hmm. similar. So Tanta Zoma, Tanta is not her first name, just like saying Auntie Zoma. And uh, uh, Zoma is my father, who's not Jewish, my father's sister. He only mm. had one sister, Tanta Zoma. So Tanta Zoma and her family came to Canada when I was very little. I don't remember. I just have had pictures. And they, they came and they stayed a couple of months in the summertime. And then, of course, when I went back to the Netherlands in 1978 with my mother, we stayed at Tante Zulma's house. And I remember being mm. in this tiny room way up in the attic. Uh, Dutch houses are very tall because there's not a mm. lot of land, so we may as well go up instead of out. And she was very kind to us all the time. And I hung out with my cousin Tessa, who's close to my age. But they're not—they're not Jewish at all. They're just Dutch. Back to the back to the probably the 1200s. The Terhart family had been in the Netherlands that long. So Tante Zulma was the one who who was sort of our um, our station area because from her house. My mother and I would take all of these little trips into Amsterdam where we would go see relatives and, and uh, uh, see places that were important to my mother when she was a child. And I've seen Tante Zuma a few times over the rest of my life. She passed mm. away just last year, the age of uh, 90. Uh, mm. So that's Tante, Tante Zuma. It's my father's only sister. Now, Tante Mina is... Uh, my mother's favorite aunt, who was mm. a Jewish lady married to an Italian man. She was married to my grandfather's brother, so she was my mother's aunt. And because she had an Italian husband, she wasn't in danger of being deported. However, she mm. ended up in Mauthausen, Bergen-Belsen, and Auschwitz. God help us. So, That's where my grandmother was. Oh, oh and, and Fran... How she ended up there is is unforgivable because it was her husband who turned her in. Oh yeah, yeah. And and after the war, you know, Mina was one of the very few who came back. But my grandfather, who was a very highly ethical man, never spoke to his brother again because of how he treated Mina, his his wife. And and mm-hmm. I have met Mina's nephew, whose name is Michiel. And and so it's interesting how I've met these people, even though they're no longer here, they mm-hmm. have left their mark and their love on people who have come after them. And Amina was just, there's a story about when I meet her for the, for the first time and I'm in her house and her bathroom, I have no idea how to work a European bathroom. Mm. So I, I remember it so clearly and she was so pivotal in that um, summer holiday when when I was when I was young, 
And Mina was beautiful. I have a picture of her, and there's a picture in the book. You know, she's this, she's this beautiful woman. They had no children. Uh, and, and I, again, no spoilers. Don't want to give any spoilers. But she's a beautiful, wonderful character who was a real person. I know that my grandmother had sisters, other sisters that we never found. But my grandfather, it was really weird. Um, my aunt, my grandmother's sister, read, read the Jewish paper, the Farvet, the Forward. Yeah. And in the, in the paper, there was a statement: If your name is Max, my grandfather was Jacob Max Goldberg. If you're Jacob Max Goldberg, your sisters Borna and Golda are alive in England. And it was there was a number to call, and I could not believe it. He actually went there and met them. And yeah. I don't remember meeting Golda, but Bronner came here. And the whole family, we sort of, you know, connected back then. Unfortunately, we lost track of them. But, yeah, it, it was it was amazing how you can find things. So this is the other question. Tell us about the list of names and more. There was a list of names, and then there was restrictions that people had to, had to actually um, sign in and do all sorts of things before they could do it, live there, live peacefully. It was on page one. 35, I have it. It's, so the list it's of where... Yeah, the list of names. Yeah, so are you referring to the list of names that my mother showed me at some point? Yeah. Yes, yes. So Fran, my... You know, before the Internet, people had very little access to information. My mother knew mm-hmm. over time, probably because my Uncle Jacob told her, what happened to her family? So in my mother's case, her mother was one of nine. Her mother, my grandmother, who married the Italian, was the only one that married outside of the Jewish community. So she had eight brothers and sisters who were all married, who all had children. The oldest uh, siblings had grandchildren already. Plus there was my great-grandfather, who was 79, so this is this is a big family. You know, that's common. Families had eight, ten kids. Mm. So there was cousins and nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles. And in Fran, they were all, all deported and taken. So my mother had a list, but it was just her mother's immediate family. It wasn't like, for example, the brothers and sisters of a spouse within the family, uh, and it wasn't necessarily the, the spouses of a grown child who then had was married and had children. So my mom had no idea of the extent, but she did have this list of about 250 relatives. At the top of the list, there's my great-grandfather, 79 years old, followed by my grandmother's brothers and sisters, followed by their wives and children, followed by... Mm. I mean, it just goes on, you know, and you think 250 people is a lot of people. In my genealogy research, which is now possible because of the Internet, it's over Mm -hmm. 1,200 people, Fran. And, you know, every time I go back, I keep finding more. I keep finding more. It's just so mind-boggling horrific. But one day my mother. I, w- I wish I had the patient. Do you go on? Are you, do you do it yourself? Or are you doing on Heritage or Ancestry dot com or one of those? Or you just do it yourself? Yeah, I. No, I use a website called MyHeritage dot com. I know what that is. I yeah. would not I know have. What that is. Yeah, I would not have 
any of this information without it. Is you it? have to pay for it. I've actually paid yeah, a lot of money for it. I know. But it's worth it. Yeah, it's for for me it's worth it. I'm you know, I'm I'm the family librarian. Everyone comes to me when they want to know something about somebody in the past. Yeah. So so uh, my mother's list, of course, was created outside the Internet. She didn't have access mm. to the Internet. After the war, eventually, people were looking for each other. There were, uh, you would put an ad in the newspaper, or an mm-hmm. organization like the Red Cross would have lists, just as you said, with your family. You know, we have found this person is, look, is now looking for this person, and here they are. They're, they're in England. And that, of course, that took years for people to try and find each other. And, of course, after a while, you just give up because you realize they can't be found. So all I knew this was is, that there was this list. Yeah. Mm. That, 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 that's list, that's amazing. Was, yeah. And on the list, there was a little seven-year-old girl whose picture is in my book who's also called Stella. And oh, wow. going back going back to me tracing these pictures, I thought, where does this picture come from? It's the only picture from that entire family. So I went to the website where the picture was posted. I contacted the website, and I said, can you put me in touch of where this picture came from? And the picture, this is incredible, is not in the book. It's in the second edition. Oh, there's, there's Laura. An I got it. This is this is Stella. This is Stella Hyman. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I found and, a picture uh, of Flora, though, the one you had. Yeah. Yeah. So Stella Hyman, who was seven years old when she was mm-hmm. taken, had a best friend who lived mm-hmm. two houses away from her. A non-Jewish girl. They went to the same school. Blonde as could be, and little Stella was dark, like Snow White and Rose Red. These two little girls played together. And the little girl's name was Rhea, Stella's best friend. Mm-hmm. And Rhea had this picture of her little friend who just disappeared one day and never came back. And her whole Mm. life, she saved this picture. So I've been in contact with her. And she said, I can't believe it. I can't believe that a relative in faraway Canada is writing to me in Dutch, asking me about my little best friend from 1942. So I can't believe it. So if nothing else, this book has has brought me in contact with people who have helped preserve some of my own my own family. I, that that's so mind boggling. I wish that I could have the same same um, fortune because you know what? There are so many people um, in my family that I don't know about, and it's like I said, my yes. grandmother had sisters, but. Um, I only know her name was Leah, and we couldn't find anything. And we, you know, when we went to Europe, we went to all sorts of things. If one of the authors is Eva Etzioni Haleve, and she's the reason why I knew, tried to find my cousins in Israel. She was trying to find it. We're trying to find it for me. I don't know whatever happened. Yes. So we can't yeah. forget about Gino, and we can't forget no. about Leah and Sophie. Yeah. I mean, I, there was so many. There was so much about this book. That is like, oh, I couldn't put it down. And for me to say that, it's it's a lot. So who is Gino? I like Gino. And who is Leah and Sophie? So by Gino, I think you mean Giovanni? Giovanni, yeah. Yeah, Giovanni is my grandfather. So he was married to my grandmother. So Giovanni, Giovanni Antonio Vitali, definitely an Italian guy. 
married mm-hmm. to my Jewish grandmother, whose name was Elizabeth. And uh, he was, he, he helped with the Dutch resistance. He was a highly ethical man. Uh, mm-hmm. He, there's a story about, and my mother told me this, and my uncle also told me this. So my grandfather, Giovanni, was a, a contractor. He was a, a carpenter. He was a, a, mm-hmm. a building person in Amsterdam. Not houses, but he built and repaired um, important government buildings. And in, this, in the book, there's a story of how people would bring valuables to him, jewelry, gold, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, and he would bury it for them somewhere in Amsterdam in his building project. Mm. And Fran, they're still there. They are. Oh, God. It's, it sounds like something right out of a, 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 a futuristic movie. But my mother told me, and then my uncle in Australia told me the same mm. thing. So I have no reason to believe that it isn't so. And sure. I, that's talked about in the book. Yeah, it's talked about in the book. But people knew that they saw people being taken out of their houses, Fran, and then everything was stolen from them, you know? Oh, yeah, and I know. Yeah. When you see this happening to your neighbors, you know it's, it's going to be your turn. So people would take their valuables and give them to friends, neighbors, anybody, you know, keep this safe for when I come back. But, of course, most most people they didn't, didn't come, come back. back. No, no. But my grandfather, Giovanni, was was pivotal and people trusted him. And he had a Jewish wife, so he was known in the community. People trusted him and uh, gave him their valuables. And you don't know what happened to those valuables. You still don't know. They're still there, you're saying. That, that, is, nope, that, is, that nope. is so... <clears throat> when my that is so sad. When my had Alzheimer's, yeah, when my mother had Alzheimer's, yeah. and I talk about this in the book, she kept, yeah, I know. She kept hallucinating that the Nazis were coming after her and were going to torture her for all the secrets that she knew. She oh, never I, I believe that. what she meant by that. Yeah. And I, I think that part of that is she knew what her father was doing. She might have even known where some of these things were and, and that you know, people were going to try and torture that information out of her. It was just so, so sad to watch her have to go, go through all that, as you know, from your own mother, as you said. My mother used to imagine things, too. Some of it was real, and some of it was Alzheimer's. I mean, I came in one day, and she said, um, your father's up there in the sky. But she saw, she saw my father. She was talking to my father, who died in 1987. And I said, well, what is he saying? She said, tell you to behave in school, or you're going to be punished. Aww. I go, Aww. and I cracked up laughing, and I go, but I never behaved, so why would I listen now? And I cracked a joke, and since she looked at me, she, she oh, you have no idea. I mean, hallucinating, and then she never cursed. But she knew more words than I did when she was having the oh, Alzheimer's. So some oh, of it, it might have been that your mother actually thought she saw it. My aunt had it, and my aunt was in the hospital, and she said, um, "There's a, that my uncle is floating up there, and he's trying to tell me something. I said, he's trying to tell you that he doesn't want to visit you. you know, he doesn't want you to come visit him in his grave. Forget it. Hmm. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like weird. So another thing that was yeah. interesting, because you did research on is, tell us about the liberation, and you, what did you learn about that? 
and the the Hart family, the woman that those those chapters um, titled Altered really got me. Yes. So the the liberation of the Netherlands occurred on May the eighth, nineteen forty five, by the Canadian Army. So you have one small country, population wise, Canada, liberating another small country. And Canada and the Hall mm. Canada and the Netherlands are, are just inseparable, even to this day, inseparable because of the liberation of, of the Netherlands. So on the on the day that you know you could see, so the Germans were retreating, you could see the Allied forces, Canada, coming down the streets and they brought food because Holland was starving to death. It was just the Germans had cut off in the fall of 1944, cut off the railways so there was no mm. food supplies into the Netherlands, and people starved. People starved, died in the streets of starvation. And uh, so, you know, Dutch people are normally quite reserved, but on Liberation Day, they were just as if they were, you know, drunk. <laughs> They were they were just beyond beyond themselves with excitement that this five year ordeal of occupation by Germany was was finally over. Mm. And one of the stories that my mother told me as a small child, I recount it's about the chocolate bar, and that's all I'll say. That's a true story that my mother often often told me about when I was little. Mm. Growing up, Fran, we ate everything on our plate. There was not a yep. drop of water wasted in our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a bath. One person had a bath, and everybody else had a bath after that. The mm-hmm. heat was turned down to about 65, and you know why, and I know why. It's 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 scary, I know, because my grandmother would say, you're going to eat, what my husband said it also, you eat what's on your plate or it's going to be your lunch or breakfast tomorrow. There was no yep. discussion. Yeah, I wasn't that old. I yep. mean, it was like not that not that old. I said like, until this day, my husband says it to me because I don't eat very much. He says, "Why didn't you finish <laughs> that?" I said, "Cause you can bring it back tomorrow. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I, I don't care." <laughs> yeah. The the most yeah, compelling right. part of the book are the pictures. Each picture, um, you know, yeah. if you look at some of them, the eyes are so cold and so sad. You could see the ki- the ch- pictures of the children have some smiles on them. And of course I love the one um the the wedding picture of Henrietta and their form. Oh they're 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 gorgeous. But when I look at some of the pictures of the children, you could see the blankness in their eyes. How did you decide which ones to put there? I mean it's it's so, so sad. Funny. Oh, it's so so sad. So the the reason that the pictures are in the book, first of all, is because a lot of books can be a bit statistical, especially when you're talking about dates and, yeah. and historical events. They they don't feel as personable as maybe they could. I wanted to have a very a very personal account where people could look at pictures and say, "Wow, these were real people!" And look, these are children. This is just a two-year-old. How could anybody hurt a two-year-old? Yeah. So there's very yeah, that's why I have those pictures there. But those are the only pictures that exist, Fran. I mean, all people's pictures were gone. You know, if you're if you're pulled out of your house at three o'clock in the morning, you don't. Yeah, I know. Just saying. Yeah. It, so the handful it, of pictures is literally a handful. Well, that, that's like gold. I mean, really. 
Um, yeah. I have some. Yeah. I have pictures of my of my grandmother that she came here, but my picture of my real grandmother, my cousin had one, and she brought it. It fell, so I never got to really see what my grandmother looked like. Out of the blue, yeah. about two years ago, this lady on Facebook said, "I think I'm your cousin," and she is. Aww. I was like, "You're kidding me!" And her father, I think, yeah. just turned a hundred. Which my grandfather's Aww. uncle, and I didn't yeah, even amazing. know that that they existed. And because of that, she found a picture of my grandfather that was married to my first grandmother. So I actually have one. I found she. I found one. Amazing. I was like, yeah. I didn't even know that my grandparents. You know, one came from Russia, one came from Poland, and I didn't know that I even had family that existed in England. I was like, oh, this is mm-hmm. amazing. And I probably mm-hmm. won't ever meet them because of this craziness. But the next question is, we have a few minutes. Let me just not forget to do this. On Monday, um, Claire Douglas will be here. We're just like our other girls. And this is going to be exciting. Right after, and she better do it, um, Carly Tappan is my niece, and her song dropped last Thursday. And she's going to come sing it on the radio show on Monday. It's called Where You At? And it's really good. And this is the second song. She's 21. And this is very interesting. On the second, we have the author of uh, a rogue uh, agent. We have the third, we have Driven Forces, Rita Moss. And on the eighth, everybody, Philip Margle in The Darkest Place. And on the tenth, at any cost, Andrea Crane. And Nancy Allen, who writes with James Patterson on the 15th, Renegade. And that's just only part of much. I can't forget, because she's on, she's here. Marsha Casper-Cook is listening, and she's going to be on it with the 17th with you to talk about Sella and the Holocaust with Sylvia True on March 17th for Women's History, people. we got to honor the women authors and the women characters, so that should be interesting. So tell us about 2016 and your father, and what was this revelation that came about? So this is almost where everything starts, Fran. So my mother passes away in January of 2016. My dad, who's 89 years old, comes and lives with us here in Ontario. He he lives just north of Seattle, over on the mm. west coast of Canada. And I'm north of New York, here in, in sort of central eastern Canada. So he comes and mm. stays with us for three weeks. And, you know, so he's 89. I have to entertain him. <laughs> he follows me around like a puppy, wondering when, you know, That's what's nice, the, what's the breakfast. Yeah, yeah. So one day I say, hey, Dad, let's look up uh, the ships that you served on. He was a sailor. Let's look up these big merchant ships that, that you worked on when you were a young lad after after the war. He's mm-hmm. 19. And he goes and he becomes a sailor. His father was a sailor. Uh, okay, so we find these enormous ships, and he's just so excited. Because, of course, for him, he never thought he would see these things again. He's not going to be browsing the Internet and looking up things. So over the course of time and over a few days, we're looking at all these. Here's this house that he used to live in, and here's this ship, and there's his school. And I said to him, tell me about your grandparents. And he goes, I don't know anything about them. And I go, why? He said, because they died before I was born. I go, what happened? He goes, I don't know. And I said, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, he said they, mm-hmm. they, his father was away at sea for a year, came back and both of his ter- parents had, had died within 10 days of each other. Mm. And I thought, 
So something happened, you know? I mean, that just, they were in their early 60s. They were healthy. They were fine. Something That's happened. That's weird. That, that started my search, Fran. That started my genealogical search. I wanted to find out. And then over literally five years, I began uncovering more and more. And then there well, was the day, yes, and I, in the book I talk about that, <clears throat> that there was the one day when I discovered a set of twins. Mm-hmm. Here they were. Bam, I remembered what my mother had said, twins run in the family. And then I went looking for the twins, and I found more and more and more. And that started the, then I, you know, writing it down, and that turned into, gee, what were their lives like? So I was imagining stories about them, and that's sort of how everything began. In 2016, when my dad was sitting at my kitchen table, and I asked him about his grandparents, and he had no Mm -hmm. idea. So that was the catalyst that popped everything into action for me. That that's amazing. I mean, the the one picture that they sent me from England was of my grandfather's father and mother, and I never knew what they looked like. All I know is that um, every year we pay for their home, pay for their care at at the, at the mm-hmm. cemetery, because I didn't know mm-hmm. that Bella and Joseph were my grandparents, and that Fanny, my grandmother, my real grandmother, had perpetual care, and I believe in taking care of. It. That's probably why I feel guilty. Every um, the cemetery where my family is buried is 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 dis- dis- despicable, and I have been filing hmm. complaints with the cemetery board. And after 90 million years, I finally won one this year, and hmm. yeah, they cleaned it up. Yeah, the people that own it are horrible, so they, I finally had it taken care of. But I made friends with these people. I have to say, at a Jewish monuments, my friend Yuda, Joseph, and Moshe, and I had they fixed the stones. They clean the stone. They did everything, and then once a month they go out to check on the cemetery for me and take a picture to make sure it's okay. That's so amazing. They, it's amazing. Yeah, they're they're amazing people. I I found them out of nowhere because the stones were tilted and the cemetery was a mess, and there was graffiti and all sorts of stuff. So now I don't have to mm-hmm. pay them or anything, but they do me a favor once a month and they go out take a picture so that I know it's better. So you you just don't That's know. That's very special. So, yeah, it is. They are, they they're amazing. So there's a list on page 135 because of time that says um, everyone must register their names and addresses. This is so sad. And there are questions yeah. as what yeah. for? Why only us? I'm not Jewish anymore. I never knew my grandparents who are who we are not religious. They made everybody do this. How come? That that is strictly gets me upset. And then the one that oh. sentence that's really good is like, why do they need the names of the babies and children? Yeah, yeah. So what happened at that time, Fran, was that Germany occupied the Netherlands and the Dutch government mm. left the country. They fled to Britain and then they fled to Canada. Mm. And the, the Dutch royal family lived in Ottawa for the entire duration of the war. And the Dutch parliament was overthrown and replaced with German with, with German politicians. So Holland had zero control. Like, it was gone. And the Germans, back in 1938, the Germans decreed that the Jews were a problem and needed to be annihilated in Europe. It was literally called the Jewish problem. So part of what they did when they went to occupy a country is they made 
every single person of of Jewish origin, and it went back to your grandparents. If you had if you had Jewish mm-hmm. grandparents, didn't matter if you married, you know, whatever, you were on the list. And every Jewish person had to go to the Jewish council and register mm-hmm. their birth date, their names, their address, their children, their grandparents. So there wasn't a single Jewish person in the Netherlands that was not known to the Germans, where they lived, what their occupation was, That's what their birth date was. It's unbelievable. Every single bank account was seized. All of their assets were seized. Mm-hmm. And, and here's an interesting thing, Fran. Why? Why? Well, who's going to pay for war if not someone that you're trying to get rid of? If you can get rid of them and take their stuff and their money, you can pay for your war. And no great power has ever risen to the top without slavery. And this was slavery, pure and simple. It's a whole nother oh, discussion. Yeah, whole nother political discussion. So there was nowhere to hide. There was nowhere to run. So some Jewish people were able to be smuggled out of the country, typically single people, people without children, unmarried people. Some people were successfully hidden in the homes of friends. But again, you're not talking mm-hmm. a family with four or six kids. You're not talking oh, yes. a family with a set of twins. You know, you can't hide a family of four with a set of twins for five years. You just can't. So the, my, I had one aunt, Tante Leah. She was on the list. She had a, an mm-hmm. eight-month-old baby boy. And she didn't show up on her deportation day. She went into hiding, and there was an arrest out for her. And that was a common situation. So her, you know, her, her name would be plastered in mm-hmm. the newspapers and everywhere. Uh, and how do you hide from that? How do you get out from underneath that? It's insidious. It's, it was industrial and insidious. Like, this was not a small machine. This was a huge machine against... Uh, uh, um, an unarmed population, so to speak. This is so sad. I know my grandfather told me, you know, you find out stories later on. My grandmother mm-hmm. was um, in a Polish concentration camp, and somehow she was hiding, and my grandfather went through the Polish underground to get her back to America with her sisters. Mm-hmm. He literally had to go Amazing. through the underground. I said, boy, I feel like I know Harriet Tubman and all that. Yeah. He literally went yes. to the Polish underground in order to get to bring her here. And when he got here, yeah. they had nothing. He sold apples on a street corner to make a living yeah. with his family. And he yeah. he, he was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And then he owned a laundromat and a cleaning store. And he owned five cleaning stores because he went for all all my all his children and you know, all everyone. Mm-hmm. But I can't believe how mm-hmm. you know what he did. So who did you write? This was really good before we end. This is good. Who did you write to in April of 2017 to bring your family closer together? That is, that was amazing that you, that you found this person. Yes. So uh, and again, it's it's completely completely by chance. As I'm doing my research, there's this book that shows up. Okay, at the back of the book, there's a dedication. My entire family, like there's my great grandfather, there's my uncle Benjamin, there's, and I think, what? Who is this person, and what are they doing with my family? So I write to the 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 people who publish the book, and they say, write this person. So I write to that person, and they say, well, we don't know. You have to contact this person. Finally, someone tells me, well, this is the person who paid for 
the publication of mm-hmm. this book and the people at the back are his family. I'm going, what? What do you mean they're his family? It's my family. So I find him, and he writes to me. He says, this is who I am. This is who my parents were. We are related. And, yes, I paid for the publication of this book, and I put the dedication to our family to that. He didn't know I existed. I didn't know he existed. But he is directly related. I know we have the same great-grandparents, the same great-grandparents. So he um, he was in New York because his son and daughter live in New York, and he said, I'll come to Canada and meet you. So in the book, as you know, mm-hmm. I talk about meeting this cousin. And, I, and, and, and again, no spoilers, but this cousin whom I met has the the key to, to the, one, the main themes of the book. Uh, I won't say what that is. <laughs> but as as I mentioned, there's this enormous gap, and then, Bam, all of a sudden, look at that. There it is in the family again, just like my mother said. This is amazing. I mean, I just look at the pictures. I keep staring at them, and I go like, you can't imagine the heartache these people went through. And what they st- oh, some people no. are still going through it because some people just can't, just want to forget, and yet you can't forget what happened. And sometimes you just close your eyes and you see it all over, like your mother did, the torture, like she thought. Mm-hmm. So... How did all of this change your life? How did this change your life for the better, I would think? And what message would you like to give people to let them know that this really happened? Thank you so much for asking that, Fran. So I knew a little bit, you know, once after my trip to Holland where I met Uncle Jacob and my Aunt Rebecca and they were so kind, I knew a little bit, but my mother would not say anything more. And that's all right. So when I was able to build on what I already knew, I thought, okay, this is, this is massive amounts of tragic, tragic information. Mm. My Uncle Jacob, who experienced it firsthand and lost everybody he knew, was a kind, happy, generous person. So how can I not be otherwise? And mm. my family and millions of others, they had to endure what was happening to them. The least we can do is face it and remember it and say it. So hopefully I am a more empathetic and sympathetic person because nothing Mm that will ever happen to me is worse. Nothing. I will never experience that in my life. And so if I have a bad day or, you know, can't do this or can't do that, then big deal. Like, you know, get over it. So I have hopefully it's given me a very realistic perspective on how privileged my life is here in North America and how I need to be empathetic towards people who don't have what I have and help when I can. Mm -hmm. In other words, just be kind, you know. So all of us need to just be kind. The only way our world will change is if we are understanding, sympathetic, and kind. Even in the face of horrible things that have happened, doesn't mean that we have to be horrible in return. You know something that's funny that you should say that because if everybody listens to my shows, I constantly say that at the end of the show, that every single day I do an act of kindness for somebody. You know, you walk into a building and somebody has this big shopping cart and they look at me like, I hold the door for you, don't worry. Um, Yes. you, You walk in the street and you say, good morning. 
or I go to the bakery and I say, did you save my Danish? Because I really can't eat very much of anything. I can only eat the inside. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. And I'll say, you know, mm-hmm. how how is everybody today? Well, the owner, he looks at me and goes, you know, good smile. It won't kill you. I mean, everybody's here, yeah. you know, happy to be alive. Yeah. And I always say yeah. that at the end of every my show, if everybody did an act of kindness and did something nice, maybe this pandemic would take a hike and realize you're the only negative thing that we really don't need. And we don't need Mm -hmm. the negative people. And what bothers me is that there was a thing, I get to all these emails, that why can't they talk about the Holocaust in school? Why can't they teach kids what really happened? Maybe it would bring people of different races together. Because I always grew up in the South Bronx, and as far as I'm concerned, everybody's the same. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody's different. It doesn't matter that you have a different color skin or different nationality. That's what makes people different to learn from them. And it bothers me that they don't want to teach that in school. It's it's like I know, it, you know yeah. mind boggling. What are they afraid of? Yeah. What are they afraid the truth? of? Fran, the truth. Yes. Yes. The only way we can change the future is to educate the young people of today. That's right. So before we end, where can we learn more about you? And where can everyone get this book, which I'm not giving away? I usually give away my stuff, but I'm not because we have to have this for March 17th. Everybody, on March 17th, Marcia Casper Cook, Sylvia True, and Stella are going to be, we're going to talk about the books, we're going to talk about their life, and we're going to talk about the fact that they are outstanding women authors for women's history next month. Because I decided that's what I want to do. So <laughs> You're amazing, Frank. Thank you. I try. <laughs> my book is, <laughs> you more than try. So my book, Discovering Twins, is available on Amazon.com, at Barnes & Noble, any online retailer. You can also walk into your local bookstore and they'll order it for you. My oh, website is just my name, Stella Terhart, T-E-R-H-A-R-T.com. I'm primarily a musician. Music, uh, music composition and, and uh, authorship are closely related. One you read and the other you, you hear. But so my website is StellaTerhart.com, and you can find Discovering Twins on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any online retailer. Well, this has been very enlightening. I want to thank you very much. I hope your furnace gets fixed really fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so sorry, Fran, that, the, you know, when we were originally scheduled, the morning kind of blew up on me. But uh, here we are today, and I really appreciate the opportunity. No, I'm glad. I'm glad I got to do this. It's really great because it's different and it's important. And this is a topic that people just ignore, and it bothers me a lot. And with what's going on in the world, um, with all of these racist, you know, things and hurting people in the Ukraine and doing all sorts of things, people need to remember that we're all put here for a reason, and that's not to beat each other up and kill each other. It's just to learn from each other and be kind. So everybody, yes. do an act of kindness. Say something nice to someone. And everybody, Stella, thank you so much. Everybody have a great day. Stay safe and bye.